You're listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Hi, everybody. It is 7-11, July 11th. 2016, and we are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Hello, everybody. Burns, and we're broadcasting on Future Theater Live from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Solberry Village, Pennsylvania. Yeah. <coughs> and our producer is, of course, the, the fabulous, um, although constricted tonight from a cold, Angel Espino. Um, cough, hello, Angel. Hello. There you go. See that? And is Chris Brown with us? No. No, Chris Brown is not with us, but our guest tonight is um, a very important author, uh, uh, Miss Frances Hill. She has written uh, a number of books. She's she's, um, a journalist. She uh, she uh, works. uh, She works both in the United Kingdom and in the United States. She's British. And she was the editor of the Times Literary Supplement. And her, her specialty, she's written a, a number of books, but lately her specialty has been the Salem Witch Trials, the going on in Salem Village in the 1690s, uh, most notably 1692, when uh, these two young girls were being cared for by a, a Jamaican nurse. Now, Jamaican nurse means that she was a slave, uh, began to complain about her. They were dabbling in um, the paranormal. And that began a craze in Salem Village of accusing women of performing witchcraft. And the result, as we have come to find out, are the Salem witch trials. Right, and Frances totally gets behind the scenes. And she's somewhat, she's written a brilliant book, her first book. Uh, and I've, you know, if you go to futuretheater.com, you will see uh, the thing, the uh, image that's adorning the very top of tonight's page, show page, is from the, uh, from her first book, A Delusion of Satan. What a great title, A Delusion of Satan. And basically she gets behind the scenes of the uh, thing. But, but how she came to come to be on our show is interesting too. And that's because we have a great listener. Just we only ha- we we have more than one great listener, but this is we have a particularly great listener, uh, PJ Zimmer Zimmerlink, and people in chat will already know PJ because PJ has created a PJ is an artist and has created a badge for Future Theater, which we're hoping to you know utilize quite handily in the future. Um, but PJ. Uh, was a while ago was researching the burial site of the unknown victims. Okay, the unknown burial site of the known victims. And he contacted Francis and they became pen pals. And that's why we have Francis Hill tonight. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Francis- the fact that we're on the air at all is a miracle of miracles because between last week and tonight, we lost our power two times for a really long time each time, and they were separated by like one day. Yeah, it was really, it was bizarre, and 
being offline basically is really getting harder and harder. The addiction is kicking in. The addiction is getting more and more tight around my medulla oblongata. I'm telling you, I had a lust to know what was going on, to, to, to watch my friends. And I look at all the people on TV as my friends, Donald and Obama and all the people who were on the TV. They, I just think of them as my friends. And in fact, I was thrilled to see if anybody follows uh, commercials, no matter what, you, you have to see them. There is a commercial for a medicine that, that keeps you from having diarrhea. Um, it's like if you have irritable bowel syndrome and it's so well portrayed by a lady who plays diarrhea as well as herself. And that lady I, I was thrilled to see this week is actually on a sitcom. Wait, she plays diarrhea? How does that Oh, work? she does such a great job. She wears this, uh, flesh colored bodysuit with like the guts in like white felt, like where you're your intestines would be or just, you know, are, are in like white felt on this bodysuit. And it's, it's she's wearing like ballet slippers and she's very lithe and she's kind of comical because she's supposed to be the thing inside of the, of, of the woman that makes her bowel irritated, like nervousness. Um, she's going to have to give a speech and so no, she has to run to the bathroom and stuff. And so she, she represents um, diarrhea because she's always taking the real person's cell phone dialing up people and saying we can't come because you know and it's diarrhea it's people who have social anxiety and they, and they they end up with irritable bowel syndrome rather than say i'm shy and want to stay home just just a tangent just a tangent because angel was not prepared to speak tonight so i thought i'll bring up topics that angel <laughs> leaves my, speechless. my voice my voice sounds like diarrhea tonight well, here's the thing. Um, I, I was going to take the opportunity to talk about Hillary, since you can't speak. <laughs> That's my joke. So. Yeah. So, anyway, so so the power was out. And Bill did such a magnificent job because when the tree came down, in addition to taking out the power, it took out a couple of the steps. It basically draped itself. It was a big tree across the steps. And so we have no egress and uh, ingress and egress are gone. They're under the tree. Bill Bill can't get out, which makes him crazy because he's a roaming kind of guy. He's always got to be out there somewhere. I'm a rambling, I'm a rambling guy. <laughs> yeah, every single day. And you can't, you know, and so having this tree in the past. So the big tree had to be moved. The steps are still not repaired. Um, it pulled down some downspouts. What else did it do? Well, oh, it pulled it. down all the electric lights yeah, that we have to have see down our because we live in an unusual spot. Yes, indeed, a little a little slice of heaven that seems to be constantly getting bammed, but that's okay. Um, we are researching, learning whether we can somehow put our wires into the ground. That would yes, be so that is smart. Our ne- uh, uh, that is our next. Yeah, that'll come before an elevator to the top. Project is burying the wires. Yeah, because we're old and we have a thousand, thousand steps, so we have to kind of rethink that a little bit. So, yeah. Right, because uh, uh, the utility company said, look, you own these lines from this pole back. It's all yours. Do whatever you want. We don't care as long as you pay your bill. Okay. Okay, so now I, I didn't think that topic would have as much air as it already has had. I wanted to bring up this um, this video that Angel posted 
just kind of like background. There was no special reason. Was there any reason why you posted this one about Eris, the planet Eris? Not really. Just to find it interesting, wow. and uh, the fact that they uh, they were calling it a winged planet, like we all have heard Nibiru be called, you know, the winged planet. Right. I found that very interesting. Well, Eris, as I was starting to tell Bill before the show, if you guys think back to um, uh, Adam, go Riley. Every time he's on, mm-hmm. I will put maybe a um, link to Discordianism um, somewhere in his writings because he's a classic adherent. And Discordianism is sort of a tongue-in-cheek fake religion. Okay, It's not real. It's like a literary conceit that a lot of people like to pretend and play around with and they worship the goddess Eris, the goddess of discord that's the most important thing Eris is the person who brings the apple of discord um she's you know to the party um and so the discordians you know wink wink in a campy kind of way worship her but Ares, so calling the planet Eris. but here's the cool thing from that um video I don't know where you found the guy. His name is Jacob Israel. You can go to www.jacobisrael.com where you so to check it out. Uh, and so, but so this is all coming from NASA. NASA is saying they're they're putting out a kind of a press release of a young girl with a little tight sweater. She's a a bouncy girl, yep. bouncy bouncy curls as well, and she is the, the front. The front face, the, the spokesperson. Face of the new NASA. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you're not going to ask that many questions. And, you know, she's getting the words out, but she almost looks like she's lying when she talks about, we're going to also be able to take pictures of Eris. Which, and then, should we, let, let's tell folks the, the kicker of this video. We should. We should spread the word. So you guys will go see the video and think for yourself. Let's try to, let's try to find the flaw in this guy's, um, Stuff. Right, well, the guy is basically arguing that Eris yeah. is a lot closer than NASA is saying it is. Yes. And that Eris is, in fact, the mysterious planet X, planet Naboo. But here's why he's right. saying yep. But here's why he's saying it. Um, there is a website. Let's see if I can find this now. Uh, first, I will put the sound off on this so I won't blast us here on the show. Put the sound. There, there, it's muted. There. Okay, this guy, if you remember, mentions... Where he got his information, there was a NASA press release. Okay. <clears throat> Do you remember that, Angel? Mm-hmm. Yep. Today. Yes. Okay. Now, here's the NASA press release, and it was in a, uh, a website. Come on. I just gra- I dragged it there. It was on a website called The Verge. Okay, if you know The Verge. It's like – it's an okay techie kind of website. Okay, But it's, it is mainstream, internet mainstream. And where the spokesperson for NASA says this, unless he's misspeaking, this is, a, this is a bombshell. And John Spencer says, we can take pictures of Eris, even though we're further away from it. This is out on the probe on Pluto. This is the New Horizons mission. Mission. Even though we're further away from it than we would be if we had stayed on Earth. It's kind of okay. a tricky sentence there. It is. Yeah. Let's talk about that. In other words, yeah, are we misreading that? Because um, the quote is exactly, and then he goes on to say, but we're looking at it from a unique angle you can never see from Earth because the Earth is so close to the sun. But The word but there is interesting, right? 
because he's saying, but here's the good reason for viewing it from farther away. So actually that supports this crazy guy, Jacob Israel's thing. Now that brings up something Bill picked up the edge of this week also. Talk about. Yeah, one of the fascinating, well, now it's been widely circulated, but at the time it was really at the bottom of a press release. And this came from NASA and this had to do with last week's a very successful insertion of the Juno spacecraft into orbit around Jupiter. And now it's successfully in its orbit. It's going to make 33 or so orbits around Jupiter. And then, as NASA explained, what they wanted to do was at the last orbit, <clears throat> as the radiation built up, they would send the spacecraft into Jupiter's atmosphere where it would eventually burn up and be destroyed. Mm-hmm. All the time taking pictures, its instruments recording as much as they could as it before it disintegrated. Mm-hmm. Then they said the reason that they were sending it to its destruction on Jupiter was that they didn't want any possibility of the spacecraft coming into contact with any of Jupiter's moons. Very specifically, moons that might contain subterranean, under-the-surface water. And that's really important because the NASA... Yeah, what, the, what was the language they used exactly? Well, the, they used I was habitable. just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. The Did language I, NASA used was, we we just want to keep them away from the moons because we want them to avoid habitable worlds. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that, that's sort of another breadcrumb. Well, and now we're all sounding like, I'm telling you, what if Hoagland is right the whole time? What if we need crazy outliers who see things in dreams or however he finds out his stuff? You know, maybe he's looking at the future or the past, like millennia, he's remote viewing. Who knows how he gets his stuff? But maybe we need that because, you know, I remember the Lloyd Pye book, Everything You Know Is Wrong. Right. Uh, yep. There's a couple of books like that, you know, that you begin to wonder, geez, what, what can we hold sacred? You know, also, also, um, I'm, I'm doing more and more research. It, it really will be phenomenal that... The Democratic Party has put into its platform to legalize pot. Thank you, Bernie. Mm-hmm. That's one. And two, I think Obama is going to gather up a few more low-hanging fruits he can gather to put on his own um, plate for I did this in my administration. And I think he'll pick up pot before he goes out. That's what I, I think, think so. I think it's starting. I think you see him making well, yeah schedule two making that schedule turn yeah making or- that turn. Basically, um, one of the things that I saw today was that uh, Obama uh, started the move to uh, expand Medicare and Medicaid, um, and especially allow for uh, some um, expansion of private health care services and bringing more people into public health care under the Affordable Care Act, which is interesting because he's providing cover for his candidate now, Hillary, Mm -hmm. in terms of of bringing the party together on health care issues. So I found that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. However, 
don't forget. Don't forget. And yeah, oh, I'm just I'm watching the chat go by as as I as we talk. Um and I and I want to mention there's a big new show that we have to talk about. But anyway, um <clears throat> I think I did. I think I, I think I lost my train of thought. Which is, anyway, I think I probably yep. did. Lo- it was it was political too. It was political. It was okay, political. well, uh, but anyway, so pot, 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 it, but you know, pot is on its way. I think, and we talked about schedule too. And and what that means, I think, is that any pharmacist, no, any doctor who wants to can flip through all the whole schedule, all the drugs allowed, which is like all the drugs, including then various forms of marijuana and then so that your doctor doesn't have to become a weird doctor off on the side street or something just any doctor which will mean that walmart cvs whatever else is uh what's the one in Dwayne Dwayne reed yeah Dwayne reed uh they will really be the pot places where you go they'll be drug stores just like you always when you would ever be stoned and see the word drugs you would always laugh. You but know, that would depend the on the state, too. I mean, uh, uh, various states would say we don't allow smoking. All we want is liquid and wax. Yeah, but and- once it's federal, if the federal is more lax, then the states, I think, can't tighten it up. Well, no, it's not tightening it up. It's that the it's just like the liquor laws now. Different states have different liquor laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but everybody participates in allowing some version so that they get the revenues. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and so now here's the thing. As we come upon, uh, we're not done yet, and, you know, and and already we're running out of topics. But tonight, you f- if you guys stay tuned and you don't touch that dial live, just like us, live, 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 uh, is a brand new show, a brand new show that used to be that has revived. It's called Not Radio. It used to be from the year one, Not Radio. So there's probably an echo chamber somewhere where it's coming back from the past, back from the future, with Jesse Randolph and our own Chris J. Brown, who isn't on tonight's show, and I think he should be, to say hello and promote his show properly. Well, maybe, maybe and I think Chris maybe will Angel will just, maybe he'll just tap him in. Because it would be nice to hear his little voice yeah, as he be- before he becomes Brown, yeah. a big star. And I want to know how is he going to uh, how is he going to connect with Jesse? What is the team going to sound like? I'm really curious. Oh, and then there's a guest, guys. You'll find there's out tonight. Yeah. Okay. And and there's a guest, and the guest is Chase Kolotsky. And if you guys, if you're of the male persuasion, she's the cutest thing ever. Uh, you got to put that out there. I'm sorry. It's it's really true. And then you know. Then she's also smart and nice. So if you never, ever look for her picture, you'll have fun too. But it's always nice when someone's adorable. So she's on I'm sorry. UFO Notes tonight? And then there's Crystal. I'm sorry, Crystal. Oh, Crystal's in the chat and has um, – Crystal's always su- supporting all the gals. But Crystal has um, – yeah. We, and then there's Crystal. Crystal Storm. Is she on the show too? It's, we'll see. No. Maybe we'll look. Wait, wait. Well, somebody, somebody's here. I don't know. Hi. Hi. Oh, hi. We got Chris oh, okay, in the Chris, house. Who's going to be on your show tonight? Just spill it out. Chase Koleski's going to be on tonight. So, yep. Are you nervous? You. No, I'm not nervous. I are you, uh, are you sound excited? nervous. Very excited. Are I've been excited all day. Lots of legal pot where you are. Maybe I am. You know, I, I've been trying to get as as Angel. I myself, while I'm on the final ends of it, it didn't hit me as hard, but I'm battling with the cold thing, too, and I think it's just been going around everywhere. I think it's just just a a plague thing right now, but 
but I didn't get hard hit hard like Angel did. But but um, no, it's, Angel's uh, kind of a mess. He sound like I said. He sounds like the Godfather. I was telling him, it's like uh-huh. I need the part in the movie Godfather Angel. Come please on, give him an offer. He can't refuse. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm reminded more of the Phlegm people. You come to my place of business and you talk to me like this. <laughs> talking about Phlegm. Oh. I'm gonna have to make her an offer she can't refuse. Wow. Chris, Chris, you tell her what I got today. You tell her. Right. What do I have? Yeah. <clears throat> what do I have, Chris? You tell her what I have, Chris. Horrible you tell her. bronchitis is what That's what I have. Hard. Horrible bronchitis. Right. At least it's not gonorrhea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa. Thank God for that. Jeez. Yeah, because that's hard to spell. They're both hard to spell. There's an H in it. There's a couple of H's in it. It's true. Let's just like, you know what else, Angel? You've got Qatar. That's really what you've got. And that's a fun one. You do have to look that one up. I tried to say it to someone today. That I had Qatar. It might have been Alfred. Because the Alfred, thank you, Alfred. Alfred stepped in and and really saw your video angel on um, Facebook and really thought you were at death's door. And he stepped up and said, you know, if you need some help. And so, yeah. See that? Well, I'll tell you what. Today in the morning, I felt like I was at death's door. I really did. I felt really bad. So well, you went gonna, to work. You... Did you have your oxygen mask on? No, I took it with me, and I took the machine with me, and as soon as I stepped into the door, everybody looked at me, and they were like, what the hell are you doing here? Go back home, and you you look like you're about to like pass out. So they turned Well, you know, you know you're going to drag this out way long as you can, because it's nah. a really good thing you got going on. You really no, should have some I, fun with it. When you're better, you can still seem sick. I would stay with, stick with, stay with it. No, it's I'm going to make money, a lot of cred. Yeah, 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 I know, yeah. Gonorrhea. See? Tom J. Tom Jensen. Knows how to spell it. Yes, indeedy. Gonorrhea. Anyway, speaking of gonorrhea. Um, That's the first time we've ever said gonorrhea like five times at the show. Well, you know. yeah. well I, think it's, I think it's actually been cured. And it, did you know that uh, Donald Trump is anti-vaccination? Mm-hmm. So am really? I. Yeah. So am I. I sort of am too. But I wouldn't admit it. I wouldn't run for president. I, I would actually do more research before I totally admitted it. But it seems sensible. Seems sensible. Thus, my main point that we are on the edge of an extinction event. You have all. Well, then you better not watch the rest of that movie because I think we all agreed with Donald Trump. You have all just, (laughs) all just validated my wacky theory that we are uh, that the that that the human race. This is the sixth extinction, everybody, and we are on the cusp of the sixth extinction. And you've just heard. Everybody on the air right now validate the fact that bacteria and viruses and bugs will eventually be those dominating planet Earth after this incarnation, this manifestation of humanity has passed away. Oh, I thought we were heading for a, you know extinct level event because of the fact we all agreed with Donald Trump and something. No, 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 wait, no, wait. Did no, you no, watch? No. Wait, a minute. Angel, I, I Angel, stop. Did you watch the political. rest of the movie? <laughs> that you, did you watch that movie to the end? The Nibiru is coming movie. Uh, yeah, I saw most of it. Okay, did, well, you didn't go all the way to the end. How how dire does he say it is? What year does he give? What era? How how oh, much uh, time do we have? Israel? The guy Jacob yes. Israel. It's you, Jacob Israel. Um, he doesn't really mention, I don't think, a, a specific date, but maybe like the next year or two. 
Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Yakov. I mean, no, I think he, you really you really couldn't tell. I mean, he's not a scientist, you know. He's just giving you his interpretation well, of what he I mean, thinks that's based the, on what they said. Okay, so he's got a bombshell in the middle. We'll ex- we'll ask our listeners, all of you. Take some time, watch this movie. We will put it in the chat. Okay. Um I'm going to do that right now cuz I'm I did I'm, that earlier, but go for it. Do it again. Yeah. No, you put it in my personal chat. You didn't put it in the people's chat. Oh, no, I did. I did. If you scroll up, it's in you there. You did? I put, yeah. People's okay. chat. I like that. Yeah. Well, the people's chat really sometimes goes haywire. You know, I'll go to bed and I'll wake up and there'll be like 700,000 things. So, you know, it's a it's an interesting conversation. And next week, folks, we're having Aldous Burbank on and he sometimes is in the chat, just pointing this out. Um, let's see. I'd and, like to interview this Israel guy, to be honest with you. I think he'd be a great interview. Yes, yeah, I think we should. Yeah. Okay, he now we be. could get Chris to get him if Chris isn't mad at us. I think Chris, if Chris, are you still going to mm-hmm. get people? Sure. Are you going to get guests? You should try to get this Jacob yeah, Israel. Yeah, the Jacob Israel guy, Chris. And so you, you've okay. got, like, how many shows now? We've got, like, how many shows we need to get these people for? We're going to, like, rip them really off. have been working uh, <laughs> for our friend Wise uh, frog helping him and i put together a few great shows for him and so i've kind of been working on that and and you i've reached out to some people that haven't gotten back but thank god i've had the angel father here that's helped me out and hooking up with that's people. right that's right angel yeah <laughs> and so um they uh i make things happen nancy that's uh, yep, what it is. makes things it's happen true. so they're I'm over a shaker you know i make things because happen. in addition we have in addition to all this we have soroya and then we have chase so we have in fact taken advantage advantage of angel godfather there you go yes, we're we struck right tonight. through july okay so we're gonna well we only have a couple of minutes left before we bring on uh francis hill but um, I want to le- uh, leave everybody in the last couple of minutes with this statistic, and I think it means something. I think it means something. It says a lot. Remember back in the well, you guys might not remember it, but back in the nineties, uh, there was a book called Megatrends, and it, it basically was saying what's going to be happening in the next century, in the next millennium. Here's a megatrend. And this was, uh, uh, this has turned up in statistics. The number of people, teenagers, 16, 17-year-olds, men and women, boys and girls, the number of teenagers applying for and then getting their learner's permits slash driver's licenses, junior licenses, driver's licenses, that has dropped so precipitously over the last 10 years when there's that kind of a drop. Uber. Uber is one. The other is the other. Uber and there's Lyft. So, but there's Uber and there's Lyft. And the point is, it's not just Uber and Lyft. It's not as though they're just there. Therefore, kids are on driving. It's, the prevalence of smartphones and iPads and things like that. So you're bringing together these two technologies. One is you have a whole generation. I just hit the mic. Excuse me. A whole generation of uh, new people entering their uh, young adulthood that are not getting, uh, that are driving later. So that's, that's one statistic. Then the other statistic is, is 
really strange one. It, it really has to do with women having babies later in life rather than earlier in life. So starting families later. And as a result, there are fewer children mm-hmm. among those families. So mm-hmm. as a result, in, in that demographic, the population is very dramatically shrinking. So what we're looking at is two trends that are really pointing in the same direction. There's going to be fewer and fewer of us and that things are happening later in life because what's happening is that the children, fewer fewer? the children of parents who have these children later in life turn out to be more educated they turn out to be higher earners, but they in turn are having fewer children. So there is something... Well, also the fact that every generation below us now slides into the Internet like a glove. I mean, they, anybody can open their telephone and Google, and they do. They right. learn to be Absolutely. Google Ninja types. And um, we're watching a sitcom called Odd mom out and it's outrageous and crazy but it has some interesting stuff going on among them is you know what it's like to be a young mom a in, young mom living in new york in, case, in new york but in general brooklyn and in in a kind of an educated in the educated class let's say this naughty class whatever the obnoxious class the obnoxious. but but there is a connection to their phones it just seems like because i don't think that's acting i think I wonder how many people in our audience right now have their phone very, very, very nearby. I do, and Bill does. Angel, is yours right next to you? Right in front of me. Uh huh. What about you, Chris? You're on it, probably. That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yep. See that? So that's all of us. Mm-hmm. Right. That is it. And in fact, one of the, the, I mean, in this area where we live, the average age is like 99, and so. There are all these, at every holiday, I don't know how I got on these mailing lists. They must think I'm a young'un. But, um, well, I am compared to them. <clears throat> on these mailing lists, I always get these remember when emails. And they really get to be tedious. And the... What did they say? Well, it's remember when, and there are all these kids playing stickball in the park, then, now... <laughs> There are all these kids standing around looking at their iPhones. Yeah, but you know what? If you'd ever done a gig ever as an advertising writer, and you should have, during the newer back era, you were kind of an advertising writer. You I understand did. how advertising writers pull that stuff out of their out of their crawl pretty much, and it doesn't really mean anything. But you take it as though it, as though it's gospel, just like uh, directions on a package. You just think that they're totally never wrong. They're sort of like they've been written in stone by God. Have you ever had a chemistry set? Uh, cooking is very de- specialized. Right. But, I mean, if you have a chemistry set and suddenly you mix the wrong things and suddenly there's smoke billowing through the house. I'm and having parents post-traumatic stress listening to Angel. You. I have to tell you. I am starting. to aluminum oxide down in, the, down in the incinerator in our apartment building. Boy, that didn't make the super happy. Ay, ay, ay. Well, luckily, we're at the end of the half hour. Yes, we are. We're at the yes. bottom of the hour. So, um, 
folks, stay with us as we con- as we bring on our guest, uh, Ms. Ah, Francis Hill. And, and let me point out, Amy Collins just just piped in and said, "Not she has no phone near herself." However, she's on Skype. So there. There you go, Amy. That, by the so, way, that is the future of the phone systems. I think Skype. Oh, I don't understand VO, VOIP. Skype. I, I think that's. The, I, I do think that's the case. I oh, think yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah voice over IP companies, is going to be the future. Right, and I think that's why Microsoft bought Skype. That's yeah. yep. absolutely the reason for yep. it. Yeah. Okay, 300%. so folks, stay with us. Oh. Uh, we'll be back uh, right after these messages with our guest Francis Hill, and we will talk about the Salem witch trials. See you on the other side. Did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or? No. Holy <laughs> That was the yeah. Yeah. 10 seconds of, uh, no. What are you that tra- was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. Unidentified flying something. Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store.
Hi, everybody, and we're back on Future Theater Live on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network with our guest, our special guest, Miss Frances Hill. And we really appreciate uh, you making the time to um, spend the next hour and a half with us. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. I am. Uh, can, I we, really... can we start with PJ? Oh, go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. Uh, we were just talking before. I wondered how. Um, our listeners in the chat know PJ Zimmerlink. Um, I wondered how you, how he met you, et cetera. And so he said, per- perhaps you, you say it better. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll try. Um, yeah. He was very interested in uh, the work being done in Salem um, on trying to find out for sure where the bodies of the, hanged alleged witches ended up after they were taken down um, from the gallows Um, because nobody's known this for sure over the last 300 years since it happened, more than 300 years. Um, But there's been work going on in Salem excavating and not so much excavating actually, more um, doing scans on you know, mm-hmm. with yeah. high tech modern equipment right. um, um, on on an area which they um, suspected might be where the bodies were. Well, were all twenty uh, people not accounted for after they were uh, hung? I guess they were all hung except for one poor man. Um, but, yes, well, one poor man who was pressed to death. Aye, yes. aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Um, no, none of none of them none of them were accounted for for certain. Um, there were rumours about one or two whose bodies were taken from where the, the hangings had happened um, in the dead of night and, and spirited away back to their farms and given proper burials. There, wow. um, I, there, there is there's an account of their bodies being thrown into crevices where they were hanged, but um, it's not known. Well, for start, it's not known where these crevices were mm-hmm. because um, nobody was, has been absolutely sure where the gallows were. There've been, you know, different sites favorite at one time or another as the place where the gallows were but nobody's been sure well, um, do, do you think that the um, the whole case rests on the case that you've basically shown in I think all your books whether or not people truly believed in this um, or whether this was a cover for a different kind of hysteria um, have you made that determination each time you talk about the different manifestations where this kind of hysteria comes up? Um, I think certainly uh, probably the majority of people believed that the accused people who were tried and convicted were witches. Mm, Um, But they weren't. These were false allegations and Mm -hmm. false convictions. Um, but as far as the accusers are concerned, 
terms, the as it started out, young girls, um, but later as the number of accusers grew, uh, some older people joined in as well. As far as they were concerned, as the question is whether they actually believed the people they were accusing of witchcraft. Right, right. If, if they believe, really believed they were witches, um, I, you know, it's very hard to know for certain, but I think there, uh, there were certainly sort of one or two innocents at the beginning who um, really probably genuinely thought that they were bewitched. And then other people who joined in, who were joining in for different motives, who dis- didn't necessarily believe that they were bewitched. Mm-hmm. And the ones who, at the start, believed they were bewitched, I think you could genuinely describe as hysterical. Right, right. Well, um, when you go on, and you, uh, one of your books is called... Such men are dangerous. The fanatics mm-hmm. of 1692 and 2004. Who were the fanatics of 2004? They were the members of the Bush administration uh-huh. who who led America into the Iraq War. Uh-huh. And the par- on false premises. Um, I was hoping par- we yeah. I, I was hoping we could become you know right up to the present and that. That gives us a jet ski right to the present with the same kind of mindset. Um, well, there isn't, yeah, I mean, there's, there's an awful lot of, you know, fear of terrorism um, as well as now, you know, other things in America. And um, certainly I think Mr. Trump is uh, playing on people's fears um, to try to increase his... Uh, his, his ratings. Well, in our little environment here, um, t- tonight Angel's voice is gone. He's a pretty good Trump supporter. And mm-hmm. uh, Bill and I, of course, are wow- wildly, as you know, far right, of, you know, far removed from that way of thinking. And, luckily, and tonight Angel doesn't have a voice, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, one of the things, <laughs> I mean, one of the things that really um, uh, uh, struck me um, – was how you characterized, and, and I, I think this is this is worth talking about. It's this: it's how the kind of a mindset that you describe in Salem in the in sixteen ninety, let's say, mm-hmm. how that mindset takes hold, because it took hold of an entire community. It wasn't just the two girls and the nanny or the or the slave who was raising them, who basically was teaching them uh, ostensibly Jamaican witchcraft rituals. But um, this was an entire village um, that really was seized by this fear that there was evil in their midst. And, and one of the things that I remembered when I was reading what you've written and what you were talking about, I, you've done other interviews that I watched, was this um it was by this professor of religion uh he used to be at University of California Irvine his um Bob Eisenman Robert Eisenman was his name and one of the givens he was really talking about the ancient 
uh, Hebrew sects into which uh, Jesus Christ um, was a rabbi, the, uh, the Essenes. And one of the things he said about the Essenes was that, like many groups, the, uh, the Essenes in particular believed that they were the ones who were charged with um, the security of the Ark of the Covenant, the Mishkan, and that as a result, they had to purify themselves because they held the truth. And thus, the most important thing for any group that considers itself the repository of the truth is this ritual of self-purification. And that's what reminded me of what you were talking about when you talked about the Puritans in the 1690s in the New England colonies, that they believed that they were the sole um, group that was the repository of the truth. There were no idols. They had expunged all the all the idols from the church. They weren't even Anglicans anymore because they accused the British, the, uh, the Church of, of England, of being what, idol worshippers. Right? They had a lot of fear, and they had a lot of fear, <clears throat> and that, that, that drove them. Um, Francis, didn't you mention? I I don't think very many people point this out. They feared the Indians as well. Oh gosh. Yes, mm-hmm. well, with with good reason, actually, because, um, um, well, there'd been a terrible war with the Indian in, with the Indians in 19, sorry, yeah. in 1675, King Philip's War, in which a higher proportion of the population, that is the, the settler population, um, died than in any other war that mm. Americans have ever been in. Um, it wasn't, the numbers obviously weren't higher because there weren't that many of them, but the proportion right. of the population who died was hi- was higher than in any other war since. Um, and, I mean, you can rightly say that the Indians turned against the white settlers because of the way they'd been treated. Mm-hmm. Um, They'd, the settlers had made packs with them and then broke them and um, treated them very cruelly and mm-hmm. barbarically. So the Indians came to hate the English who settled there. And um, at this point, actually, in 1692, uh, hostilities were breaking out again. It was... There'd been... Um, terrible attack by Indians on a community not that far from Salem. It was in Maine, on the edge of Massachusetts. But, you know, it wasn't that far. And Salem Village had reason to think that they might be attacked at any time. Mm-hmm. So the populace lived with that fear all the time. Now, they also feared the Indians because they thought they were servants of the devil. And mm-hmm. that was the theological position that the New England Puritans had. Oh, really? Really? And so yeah. would, would the, would the, uh, the, Caribbean, the, the Caribbean, Caribbean Indian, Caribbean Indian woman, would those slaves, would they be also in league because they were dark? Well, I think Tituba and her husband, John Indian, um, they were living in the household of the pastor, Mr. Paris, in Salem Village, and they'd been with him. 
since he'd brought them back from Barbados when he was working in Barbados a few years before. Um, so they were, in a sense, um, I was going to say part of the family, but they were servants, so they weren't really part of the family, but they lived with the family. Um, so I think it was probably rather a complicated relationship. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, the girls who first became hysterical um, and behaving in ways which the villagers couldn't account for, they, having fits, as mm-hmm. they termed it, um, when it was suggested to them that they were bewitched, and they came to believe they were bewitched, the first person they accused of bewitching them was Tichuba. Mm-hmm. And that obviously wasn't a coincidence. It was because she, as an Indian, mm-hmm. um, as you say, she came from the Caribbean, but mm-hmm. she wasn't... Um, she wasn't a Negro, she was an Indian, mm-hmm. you know, an American Indian, mm-hmm. who, was, who was living in Barbados when Mr. Paris went there. She may have been taken there as a slave before. Right. But in any case, um, she was what people term a natural witch suspect because of what the English thought about. It was natural yeah. for them to think that an Indian might well be a witch. Right. I was going to ask you that because, as you know, witchcraft nowadays is simply another lifestyle. But back then, did anybody, anybody on the outskirts of the village act like a bit of a... Were, were the midwives looked at as witches, for example? No, no, mm-hmm. they weren't. They weren't. I mean, I know um, people tend to say that people who were healers, used herbs, or, or indeed were midwives, that they were often accused of being witches. Um, I don't know, maybe that did sometimes happen during the great witch hunts in, in Europe. Um, but there's no evidence for that in, in, in America Mm-hmm. at all that I that I know of. The people who were accused of being witches were essentially I they were um often what you might call outcasts from society. They didn't really right. fit in well, in society. Beggars, you know. Right, um, and uh, but but some of the women were were actual landowners, and basically their land it was sort of a land grab. It felt like, but 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 before we go into that part, the actual trial, um, I wanted to ask sort of about just the reason I asked. Do you think they believe they were witches? If they did believe in the very first flush of this that they were killing witches, why wouldn't they therefore worry about their remains more than? They're non-remains because they would believe in witchcraft, which is sort of necro-related and stuff. So wouldn't they think, just like vampires, you have to remove their remains properly or whatever? Or or, or you think they followed some sort of thing like that? Yeah. No, well, I, I've never... That's a good question I've never thought of before. I don't think they thought of their remains having any sort of power in the way that you're talking about, because um, if they had, as you say, they would surely have treated them differently. Um, They despised witches. Um, um, They obviously must have feared their power, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they also despised them as people who, well, they were evil, as they thought, um, but they were also violating society's norms. They were, um, I think they despised them as people today might despise homeless people, say. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope a lot of people wouldn't, but, you know, there are people right. who would. Well, a lot of people um, fear them. But, by the way, um, I'm getting a yeah. lot of reports that uh, people feel that your voice is too low, and I'm trying to speak low. Um could you sort of move a little closer to the mic? Although to my ears you sound perfect, but just well, the trouble is I've got the phone actually kind of clamped to my yeah my face. I can't yeah okay. I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't know if it's a problem with the phone. Well, I don't um, know either. And between you and me, you sound just perfect, and that's usually a good sign that it's being recorded as a perfect you know thing. And and the poor people in chat will have to just trust us. Oh. And yeah. perhaps it's my, my accent as well. Maybe, maybe. I don't um, think so. Anyway. I'll try yeah. to speak I'll try to speak clearly and okay. you know, quite loudly and clearly. Yeah, well I think I think I think it's gonna be perfect at the end of well, the day. Uh, I I just want to break in and ask, uh do you think that given the uh extremity uh of, of the extreme Puritan religion mm-hmm. that the fact that they believed that these women who they were accusing derived their power from another source also presented a challenge to the religion itself. Basically, that they oh, were saying... yes. Oh, yes. Very much so. Absolutely. In fact, um, Cotton Massa, one of the most powerful and prestigious ministers, in the colony um, really feared, or he said he did, and I think he probably did, um, he feared that legions of witches might actually take over New England in cahoots with the Indians because they were all servants of the devil, in his view. Um, And he'd been preaching all this, so the ordinary population would know about these these ideas. And yes, indeed, I, and Mr. Paris, the pastor, um, it's complicated with him because politics starts coming into it quite soon after the witch hunt got started. And Mr. Paris was, played a role in this political drama that, was played out, um, but he also does seem to have been genuinely afraid um, of witches threatening the church, the church in the sense of the Puritan church, um, and overcoming it, overthrowing it. Um, the Puritan church was funny because from the perspective of the Reformation, the idea was that you did not have an organized hierarchy of ministers between the reader of the Bible, let's say, the person, and the creator. And that was one of the big objections in the late 15th century to the 
to the Catholic Church, that there were too many levels of hierarchy between the penitent and the creator. And the church itself was, well, the church itself was Rome, but I mean, it was hierarchical. And even the Church of England under, in, in, the, uh, in the 16th century was hierarchical, as it is today. And Hierarchies at, always creep in, I think, in uh, any in all human groups and societies. no, just uh, just male human groups, pretty much. Female well, hu- female human groups, thus covens and witchcraft. Female human groups organize under a different principle, and they might consider it uh, Indian, but Indians might be very matriarchal as well i don't know i I really i i I haven't studied um that sort of thing indigenous people's culture exactly not i was thinking i think that varies that varies you know from like probably from one tribe to another but but the idea of um some other view of the world rather than hierarchy or people standing on people's shoulders until somebody just reaches the top um, there are other ways to do things. There, are, you know, women tend to hold hands and make a web. You know, no, ab- absolutely, I completely agree. And, and I'm certainly talking about male hierarchy mm-hmm. in, ter- in terms of the Puritans. I mean, women didn't get much to look in. I mean, they obviously belonged to the church, um, but they couldn't. They couldn't be ministers. Well, how would it, how would a pubescent young girl? At pubescence, because she's pubescent. Well, uh, how would she grow up? It, <laughs> yeah, how would they, as a Puritan of that era, uh, what would be expected of you? You would have to have no emotions, or how do you get rid of your wild? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you, yeah, I mean, you were supposed to be. Um, you're supposed to conform. You were supposed to lead a life that was. Um, extremely tedious with almost no pleasure in it at all. You know, you'd have to get up in the morning and get dressed and do chores um, all day, really, um, except for prayers, morning mm-hmm. and night, and meal times. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, you, you'd just be doing weaving and sewing and making bread, and some, some of that might be... Because that, well, do you think? Well, that, uh, no, well, that too came out of the whole idea of the Reformation that they took the line from Genesis saying that human beings, that Adam and Eve specifically, would be the stewards of the world's goods. And the Protestants took that to mean that people had to be those stewards. And being those stewards, that was the beginning of the work ethic in the uh, during the Reformation. Right. That that was a way to get to heaven was hard work managing the world's goods. Yeah, being and a you know what? Uh, as as a as a uh, young black person pointed out today on the news, uh, when black people entered this country, they came in as goods. They were goods and chattel. They were literally, right. They were not here as citizens. They were right. never here as and citizens. And so their history is trying to get rights, give rights to a whole group of people who haven't had rights. And so, 
you know, it's kind of heartbreaking to hear that. No, but, but that's true. actually the large, uh, the foundational issue that for every other immigrant group that came to America, they came for the purpose of becoming citizens on an equal level. Not so, uh, not so the African slaves. Right, they were dragged here kicking and yeah. screaming against their will. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I did just want to say that the, Puritans in New England were Calvinists, um, so they believed that they were the elect. They'd been mm-hmm. chosen by God. At least, at least, some of them were. I mean, they they did a sort of double think on it because they said nobody could know for sure who God had chosen um, as to be saints and definitely to go to heaven. But on the other hand, they were inclined to think that every member of the Puritan Church was one of the elect and would go to heaven. That's because it was predetermined. I mean, that was the other thing, too, that this wasn't a case of... The paradox is that they were the stewards of the world's goods, but it wasn't good works that would get you into heaven. That was already set. That was predetermined. Yes. But that one community was certainly among the elect that would. But were they judged based on how they handled being the the shepherds of the world? They were were exemplars of shepherds of the world. Yeah, I mean, they just seemed to think that if you were one of the elect, then the chances were that you would behave yourself um, and conform to all the Puritan norms um, and. I mean, there was no logic to it. Well, was there, there's a devil, do do the Puritans also recognize, of course they recognize a devil, right? As much as, as as real, yeah, just as real as a god. Absolutely real. Okay. Uh, Yes, uh, absolutely, and as real as, you know, a human being. Um, Totally, I mean, they thought that uh, the, the people that they were accusing of witchcraft actually went to meetings with the devil, and mm-hmm. he administered uh, a kind of pretend communion, a hellish right. You know, they'd have bread and wine. It's it, basically it, what will, whatever will turn on the listener. I have heard renditions of this, and they always sound to me like porn. They really are trying to turn on... Um, the listener in a kind of Christian kind of way of like, whoa, if you've ever seen kind of those cartoon books that the Chick organization, I think it used to be called, used to hand around, uh, because I had a relative who was a born again Christian and, and, um, she would, she really would harsh everybody's mellow. She would <laughs> hand these things out at, you know, weddings and bar mitzvahs and stuff. But, um, um, yeah, I forget where I, yeah. Well, I well, could I, I say on that subject, but, the more righteous a community thinks it is, right. um, the, the bigger a deal it makes of what it thinks is evil. And if it's decided yeah. that there is a devil who represents evil and tries to spread it all around as much as possible, um, that's going to be you know, something that they will talk about and try to fight each other with. And in a religious community like the Puritans, the presence of witchcraft, perceived witchcraft in this case, meant that 
the polity itself, Salem Village itself, the actual political entity that made the town, that entity itself is weakened by the by the presence of evil because the town it's so it's like those in the elect themselves by allowing it's it's the line in the bible thou shalt not suffer a sorceress to live which is anti-feminist hmm. but is but it means that the that the community itself is harmed by the presence of someone who is not in the religious community that is being celebrated well, by the, the power. Yeah. Were, were yeah. all the ladies who were accused, were they all members of the Puritan community? Um, well, they weren't all church members because, you know, to belong to the church, you had to go through a sort of initiation. You had to... Um, give what was called a conversion narrative, which was um, uh, an explanation of how you came to acquire grace, Uh to feel worthy, and so on. Um, So it was quite a big deal getting into the church, unless you were born into it. If both Mm -hmm. your parents were church members, then when you were born, you were automatically... Well, well, that is when you were baptized. Right. Right. You were, yeah, you were considered well, born again. Still, and it's, and it's going any, on today. Do we, do we have this, any Puritans nowadays? Well, no, but no. the born again Christians no. what, what, are, are the modern versions of Puritans because look at the kind of, uh, the testimonies mm-hmm. that you get from these candidates going mm-hmm. to these big religious mega churches and making their open confession to how they came. It, it's when religion came into their lives. That was one of the hallmarks of George W. Bush's, um, campaign that, um, <clears throat> I was blind, but now I see basically. That's yes. what he was saying. It was yes. that yes. same with Rick Perry. I was, you know, I was a sinner, that's but true. now I'm not. Yeah, and, and that's then, why yeah, yeah. this athlete Tim Tebow, people are falling on their faces over this guy, not because he can throw a pass, because he can't, but because he describes this religious conversion of um, getting the Holy Spirit, and so that story of personal conversion. What? I no, wonder if just... it will happen to Trump, because if I if, if I know Trump the way I think I do, he's going to have a personal conversion. He's got, I mean, he's he's mm. got a few more piano keys to play, and I can't mm. wait to see what they're going to be. But I'm very much in fear. I'm hoping With that he'll turn grandchildren. off. I'm hoping he'll turn off even his most avid followers one by one by doing one stupid thing after another. It seems like everybody's got a straw and they say, okay, that's it. I can't take it. Um, and he, he keeps uh, doing enough things. I think he'll, he'll knock out everybody. But, uh, but you know, Francis, a lot of this is, is still going on today. Oh, remember um, in the uh, 1980s and 90s, there was the whole – the McMartin trial, the, uh, the children who were being oh, – yeah manipulated by the witchcraft and the FBI, the American FBI had to investigate the, uh, this and found there were no witchcraft crimes, no, yeah. uh, no satanic cults committing crimes, yet there was Charles Manson in the late 1960s. There were all these satanic churches in California. There were people that Joel Norris investigated that, went, that were pretty crazy, but did he ever find Satan at the end of the rabbit hole? Do you remember? Joel... Uh- that particular case, 
I, we, sorry, say again the name of the, that case. It's the McMartin School. Oh, no, this that, was, I, that I know about. That I know about. But Nancy mentions. I mentioned, a, I mentioned a writer named Joel Norris. Oh, Joel Norris. Yeah, Joel Norris oh. was. Oh, I don't know Okay. He was my co-author um, on a book we did called Serial Killers. But, but, but did he end up never writing the book on the he McMartin He never wrote case? the book right. about McMartin. No, no, we never wrote that book because Joel died. Right, but Joel Norris, before he died, had a lot of um, uh, material that seemed to point in the direction of no case there. That oh, it there was, was really, no case there. Yes, I mean, it was yes. investigated and there yes. was no case. Yeah, right. no, absolutely. But he come, yeah. but Joel, but Joel came at it from the world's most conspiratorial bent. If you want to take well, that, well, there was a, a I mean, there was, was a group. Him. No, there was a group. When you see the videotape of the interview that this social worker hmm. did with the children, it was horrifying because yeah. she's using I don't know if you, she was using little dolls, and she was manipulating. Children are very suggestible, and she's manipulating these little kids by if they said one thing, she'd say, "No, no, no, no! Don't you remember? This is what happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what happened." And so she literally fabricated a case of satanic um, abuse yeah. on these children, yeah. which never happened. Yeah. There was a terrific frontline program about those cases. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I first um, came to know about them. I, I saw that PBS frontline program examining several of those cases and exposing the. You know, there's an important movie with. Um, Oh lordy! Uh, it, it, there's an important movie about the length of the case, the McMartin, how how it ruined the McMartins, and the fellow who was in the Boost, this actor who played in the Boost. Well, who, what actor is that? Oh, Jimmy um, uh, James know, Woods. James Woods. He plays the person I believe hurt the by son the, the, by the whole McMartin yeah, the thing. Son. And it is yeah, um, it's uh, you talk about a delusion of Satan. It's 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 that case for that era, yeah. You but know, that started, movie. So you might want that to be started, fun to look up. It started a whole group of cases mm. around the country. I mean, yeah. we even yeah. did one when we all oh, we were living in California. But don't you think like a pond that waves keep coming out, and and you often hear faint echoes of these waves. There was today? a yeah yeah. Uh, there was a woman who who actually said that her daughter was taken by a satanic motorcycle gang. I didn't know that. It was motorized now, but by a satanic motorized gang, a motorcycle gang. And in order to bring the daughter back, she had to join the gang, get all tattooed up and leathered up and ride with them for the purpose of getting the goods on this gang so the sheriff could arrest them. It like Hell's Masons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It never, it it wasn't true. It was all fantasy. It was all fantasy, yes. Well, I mean, they... Um, they they were typical witch hunts because you had people um, using what was happening for their own agendas. Like you got DAs involved who were prosecuting these cases because they thought it would be good for their careers. Of course, you know. Of course, um, and that's what happens in every sort of witch hunt. You get them started by one or two um, either delusional people you know, um, or people who 
have a tremendous axe to grind. Well, I think I think way. I think what you're describing is what's going on with Hillary right now. Um, it's to, a witch hunt. It's you're a witch hunt. Right. To my eyes, what it is. since I've been I've been on the planet and under her rule, if you will, when she was first lady, uh, when she first came into public, and never ever. Did she ever raise any hackles in me? I thought she was just a fine and dandy person, a hard worker, and pretty much what she yeah. is now. And yeah. but but yeah. really and truly, she is so feared and hated for the craziest reasons. You know, like it's very, yes, it's very interesting because coming from England, um, my first reaction to um, getting to know how a lot of people felt about. Hillary was complete bafflement. Yeah. I mean, okay, some people might not agree with her political views, fair enough, you know, mm-hmm. or they might not think she's the best possible candidate, but why would they hate her? That's um, right. With it was only when I got to know a lot more about American politics that I, well, I it's, it, one it's, it. it's the fight and between them. Yeah, it's it's a you know it's women against men at this point. It's matriarchy versus patriarchy at the moment, and it has to eventually come to an equal draw for the health of the world. You know, not just I mean England. Just today, there's a brand new lady, um, Theresa May. Theresa May. <laughs> yes, I know. I mean, which side is she? Is she She's left or right? Conservative. She's conservative. Okay. Right, yeah. and she was the yeah. Home Secretary, which is probably yeah. Isn't there like the top three is the prime minister, the the, uh, the minister, the, yes. the foreign secretary, uh, or the foreign minister and the home minister? Yes, yeah. that, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. And she's been home secretary for six years. She's actually survived in the job for longer than any other home secretary. Well, the other lady dropped out. Why did she drop out? Did she? she oh, was part I, tell you, I tell you why. It was yeah. because um, she made um, a, a foolish remark. Um, About mothers about essentially what she seemed to be saying, although I don't, she, she claimed she didn't really mean it that way, but she seemed to be saying that she'd make a better prime minister than Theresa May because she had children and Theresa mm-hmm. May didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, you know, an absolute <laughs> about this, you can imagine. And I think um, she just felt, oh my God, you know, she couldn't deal with it. She's not a seasoned politician. No, you're right. No, but it's a fight. It's a fight I love. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about Virginia Woolf. If Virginia Woolf could have heard about that argument, she would have just hurrah. You know, let's talk about you know which woman is more womanly. That's cool. That's, we can do that. And so, and similarly, there's much hope that Hillary will put Elizabeth Warren on the ticket, and. I'm just thrilled at the thought of it. And a lot of people say, oh, but we've had double same-sex tickets before. Yes, always. Yes. Elections are very polarizing. But the thing is that the phenomenon that you describe, and I do want to get to the politics because, I mean, I wrote about this with Joel Martin in the book The Haunting of America and The Haunting of the Presidents. And, of course, you uh, you have written about the same thing, which is the, the politics involved in this and then Cotton Mather's role in trying to bring it back closer to reality. Oh, I, I, I don't think of him as... As doing that, I mean, I think of him as one of the main drivers. He was originally. 
original. Ah, but but sort of at the end, I think it was more increased matter really, who who finally sort of thought, whoops, you know, this has gone too far. Um, this is it destroying the the colony, and it's not going to do me any good because if the colony is destroyed, so is my career. And you're speaking of the witchcraft trials. Yeah. Let's put yeah, they were ripping them, yeah. apart the whole yeah. colony. Well, the there's also Bay colony. Uh, I have always thought about uh, the 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 waves, let's say, that goes through the population of hatred or whatever. And you know, you always fear if you're the slightest bit different and fear that you're something of an outsider. Say you're an artist or you like to stay up all night. Uh, you fear that the wave will come and turn at you and say, "Oh, look at her! She doesn't keep normal hours," and they will. And that's always what seems to happen. And then the then the crowd is satiated, and then sickened, and then they turn away, et cetera. After they've done their, they've they've ripped some people and their reputations to shreds. So it, I, think, I think of it, yeah, yeah. What well, what happened with the Salem witch trials was that um, unfortunately there wasn't wasn't a chance for the wave to recede um, early on because there were people who were leaping on this bandwagon and using it for their own purposes. So as a result, the whole thing got driven on and expanded and became huge. And it was, well, it was nine months, I suppose, before the tide turned. Yeah. There's an American writer of social trends called Malcolm Gladwell who wrote the book um, The Tipping Point Blink. Oh, yes. He writes for the New Yorker magazine and uh, he writes a lot about this um, human phenomenon called the flocking mechanism. You know, birds and animals and Mob it's, psychology. In ele- human yeah, there's electromagnetism uh-huh. involved. It, it, it is like it only takes one or two people to start something, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the flock simply. So if you watch mm-hmm. geese, if you watch water buffalo or something, uh, you see how it only takes one or two members of the herd or the flock, and then everybody follows suit. And and when I think of like the the more modern witchcraft trials, like the McMartin cases the McMartin case and its progeny in California and the modern witch, the political witch hunts, Martha Stewart. Or when you think about those things, you think about this kind of flock, like it only takes one or two people Mm -hmm. like a William Sapphire, for example, to start Mm -hmm. the ball rolling on, on Hillary Clinton that gets picked up Mm -hmm. by a larger and larger group. And then it becomes a mob. And there's no longer right. A uh, by, by the way, to it. for the angels of the world, I did do some research, and the uh, who did you? What was the name of the writer again? William Sapphire. William Sapphire. William Sapphire wrote a piece that alleged, I think, nine, eight or nine things that he thought was illegal or rotten about Hillary a long, 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 long time ago when she was first lady, and she was trying to do something crazy like healthcare or something, and every single one of them was fact-checked and proven wrong. doesn't matter. It, each of them took off like a, like a virile meme, and each of them has found seed in the hearts of people who are on a witch hunt. Well, the and reason- what exactly constitutes a witch? Why does it have to be... First of all, it's visceral. And then where does Donald Trump fit in? 
No, the reason I want to get back to this one thing that, that, that you said, Francis, was about how, how the men in the village were looking at women who they wanted to vilify and were actually gleeful at the opportunity to vilify them. That this wasn't, I do this with a heavy heart because there's evil in our midst. It was, yes, we are doing valorous work by expunging evil. And when I was reading about your interviews and what you've said about this, I was thinking of the hearings in the House the other week with some of the very ultra-religious congressional representatives actually gleeful at the prospect. I mean, I just see a real similarity here, um, even though this is political and I'm... Uh, you know, this oh, it's all political in Salem Village as well. Then that's what but I was pres- hoping you would get into, is to talk about the politics of this but a the, little bit. They were gleeful at the prospect of what? Vilifying Hillary. It, oh, was, okay. it, it was not, we're oh. sad about this. It was like, we're oh, happy sure, to sure, do sure. this. You know, I, I mean, look at Jason Chaffetz's face um, when he's um, admitting the letter of referral to James Comey at the FBI. Oh, he they was, did that? He was possibly... He was over the top oh, happy. He that. was actually see, we, we lost power for five days last week, uh, a total time of five days, intermittent, two, two and a half, two and a half. Uh, we missed so much. I am a total uh, – folks in chat were saying get away from politics, but I am in fact totally addicted to politics at this point. It is because well, – how, how could you not be? I know. That's true. It is, the, <laughs> exactly. it, it is the best yeah. television reality show. Oh, but, God. That's right. But what happened? I mean, where? How? When did the Puritans go away? And and what was what was their demise? And are there? Did any little? Oh, thre- yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the the theology changed um, during the um, the eighteenth century. The the theology changed from Calvinist to. Um, just not ordinary, non-conformist Christian. And uh, what had been the Puritan church became what we now think of as the uh, the Congregational Church. Right. These are the born-agains. I mean, these are the the evangelical churches. The Friends Church, the American Friends the American friends. No, 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 no. The Quakers, no, no, no. Oh, the, the Puritans no, the, hate, hated Quakers. Hated them. Oh, why? Hated the Quakers. Yes. Oh, well, they weren't Puritans. I mean, they they threatened them by having a different belief. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. That's like the difference between hummus and it was You know, I, I always thought that it was that there were two things that really brought an end to Puritanism in the United States, which has been resurrected in the late 20th century. And that was one was the American Revolution, because um, the, uh, uh, there was the formation of a new polity. As the result of the American Revolution, we basically institutionalized things that were not institutionalized before. That was one. And then by the beginning of the 19th, uh, by the late 18th century as well, we were in the age of industrialization. And that spread right across from Britain to the United States, especially with the invention of the cotton gin and, 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 invent, and the steam engine and, and things like that. I mean, it, 
literally changed the world by 1790. Yeah. I mean, I think um, the sort of the theology, or the Calvinist theology had gone out perhaps even before that, you know. Um, but, oh gosh, I mean, that's it's such a huge subject what you're talking about, uh, you know, because it's not just about a change in the, the theology but the whole culture well, well what tr- did you see what did you see in the men and i love how you made it into the men in <laughs> let's just say let's go back to 2004 you saw something enough to actually write a book about it and i i apologize in advance because i was reading i i like reading things in order so and and your first book is really too good to just jump through and so i didn't get to it tonight but um, can you tell us about tooth, uh, the Bush family, where, what, what you drew? Yes. Well, what happened, actually, um, was I went on uh, a march in London against the Iraq War. Um, it was February the 15th, I think, and it was incredibly cold. It was a huge march, um, at least a million people. Wow. Um, I mean, it was so big that people were leaving from the embankment by the side of the the Thames and marching to Hyde Park, which is quite a long way. I'm not sure how many miles, um, two Mm -hmm. or three miles. Um, And when people were arriving in Hyde Park, there were still people leaving from the embankment. Mm -hmm. And certainly the, the organizers, I think, said it was, you know, nearly two million. And the police said it was, not quite a hundred, uh, not quite a million. It was somewhere between, right. you know. Uh, um, and anyway, we all nearly froze to death, um, standing in Hyde Park listening to the speeches. And at the end of it, um, I thought, you know, this hasn't accomplished anything. I mean, Tony Blair uh, went to war with Bush in Iraq. Anyway, right. I mean, we were we weren't we weren't trying to persuade the Americans. Right. And 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 the and Americans didn't vote for Bush. He was basically no. uh, coronated by his family. It's pretty clear. And as the as time passes, more and more people will agree that. And, and we all know it were it were it was all the un, unelected people, unaccountable to the American people, who created the war, who profited mm. like crazy from the war, mm. and then just slipped into the shadows as a black my goodness a black man comes on what a what a what a diversion you know and the game they put the game they played with him is we will you're a non-person you're a non-president we will do we will not talk to you we will not work with you and he's you know he's accomplished what he can and it's a lot so it 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 is i i really do hope that we're on track to elect Hillary Clinton, I really do. I think that the people don't understand that Donald Trump would not run the country. Somebody unknown, unelected, not probably people you'd elect, will then, you know, choose what what they're going to profit from, you say. Just saying. Same well, thing for they, Hillary and everybody else, Nancy. Uh, no, but, well, but, but Hillary's okay, already so been through the mill. Special she interest all- groups are going to run the country regardless who's the president. But well, they always have. And, and I could spend the next six hours doing a political thing about why that's a good thing. But um, the um, but I, I want to get to the politics of the Salem Woods trials yeah, because yeah. they could be 
because you yeah. make a very important point of that in your book. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what happened was that after these girls became hysterical and the adults around them suggested to them they were bewitched, and they named three names of people who were obvious witch suspects. Um, Tichaba and a beggar called Sarah Good and a woman called Sarah Osborne, who for various reasons was rather on the fringe of society. But then after that, the people being named were respectable women and men, because, you know, there were six men who were executed, as well as 14 women. Um, And what had happened between the naming of those first three and everyone who came after was that the people, the adult men around these girls got in on the act and started naming their enemies. Um, and why it was political and not just individuals wrecking revenge on other individuals was because there were two major factions in Salem Village at the time, political factions. They're literally political because they were vying for places on the Salem Village committee that made decisions about everything to do with Salem Village life. Um, and one of those factions was the faction around Samuel Paris, the pastor, and they were run by the most important man in this faction was the father of one of the accusing girls, Anne Putnam. He was called Thomas Putnam, and he realized what a weapon he'd got here that he could use against his enemies by um, having his daughter and the other girls name them as witches. And that's what started to happen. And, uh, I mean, there are lots of ways we know from the evidence that that was what was happening. I mean, one of them is that his um, male members of his family were the people who made the first official complaints against accused witches. Mm. Um, when that was the first step in the process of getting somebody tried and convicted as supposedly a witch, it was to make a complaint about them to the magistrate, the complaint that they had been bewitching their daughter or whomever. And then the magistrate would um, interrogate them in what was called an examination, And if the magistrate thought there was a case to answer, he would send them to prison, and then eventually they would come to trial. And that's what happened in all these cases. Would the magistrate do his uh, his examination privately with the person, or would there be witnesses? No, they were in public. All these examinations were in public. But in the case of the Salem witch trials, I mean, that hadn't been the... That wasn't the normal way of doing it. Um, Normally, examinations were were in private. But I think it tells you something about the whole witch hunt, that the magistrates chose to do their examinations in public because what they were doing by doing that Mm -hmm. was um, spreading the news about what was going on. And And using using mob 
hysteria, yeah, but there was right? also Big something time. else. Yeah, but yeah, but there was also something else in the theology itself, which was the whole concept of bearing witness. And so you could not bear witness in some kind of a private transaction between the institution and the accused. You had to have the public bearing bearing witness to that transaction. That goes or, back how far in law? A long way, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. your basic Pierce the Plowman, right? Exactly. And But um, the women, there was no institutional defense because, you know, when you line this up against what eventually became American criminal law, you see this huge gulf in terms of they were asked to incriminate themselves, which a hundred years later would have violated the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution. They had no representation for the most part, which would have violated a hundred years later the Sixth Amendment to the American Constitution. They could be seized um, without a warrant, which would violate a hundred years later the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. So, so, so what you then had was literally a theocracy in which there was no institutional law but a theocracy that was condemning these women to death. Hmm. It, it was, um, it was a, a theocracy. I mean, not in the sense that the priests were um, the rulers, uh, technically, you know, because mm-hmm. the rulers were the governor um, and, and his council. But why didn't um, they have to prove that witchcraft was real? They didn't have to because it was in a some. Well, I'll let Francis answer that. Okay. Yeah. No, the evidence was brought. Supposed evidence was brought um, in the trials um, uh, for the uh, the accused committing witchcraft, and there were there was two sorts of evidence. One was people coming up and saying, "Oh, so and so bewitched my cow, and it died." Mm-hmm. That sort of thing, you know. Or, ah, we found poppets. That is, little dolls that she supposedly stuck pins into. Oh, you know. oh um, puppets, in, puppets. In her, in her house. Um, right. There was that that kind wow. of evidence. And, and, and then, w- well, um, I was just going to say that there was the other kind of evidence, which was spectral evidence. Mm. And that consisted of the accusing girls and some older women by this time as well, and John Indian, Tichuba's husband, he joined the accused, and um, they would go into fits in the trials and, and in the examinations, which were supposedly caused by the accused sending out her right. spirit or specter to persecute them, and in some cases by sticking pins into them. I mean, the whole thing was so ludicrous that, you know, it's just extraordinary that everybody sat there and watched and they believed it all. But, you know, that's the power of suggestion. Um, mm, So anyway, that was the supposed evidence for witchcraft, that these people were committing witchcraft. And people were, and they were all convicted. Oh, there was one case. Can I just say that in the case of Rebecca Nurse, who was one of the most sort of high-profile alleged witches because she was revered in the community as the most saint 
person that wow. anyone had ever met. You know, she was this fantastic grandmother of goodness knows how many, and she'd been a marvelous mother. She was a, a marvelous uh, wife. She was a pillar of the community, a pillar of the church, and she was accused of witchcraft. And who accused but, her? Um, well, it was the Putnams. I mean, I can't remember who actually made the complaint. I mean, the, the girls accused her in the sense that they started screaming and shouting that she was bewitching wow. them. Wow! Um, and then some member of the members of the Putnam family actually went to the magistrates about her, um, and then the magistrates had her arrested, um, and she was examined and imprisoned, and then she was brought to trial, and she was the only one of everybody tried who the jury um, said was not guilty. Well, But then what happened was that all the accusing girls and, and women who were there immediately went into the most incredible fits, kind of beyond anything anyone had seen before. Mm. Um, and... Um, the 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 chief judge William Stoughton um, said, "You must, you know, think again, you jury, because look at what's happening to them. See what she's doing to them now." And didn't you hear something she said? Um, she oh, she said about one of the witnesses against her that she is one of us. And she meant she is one of us witches. Well, the jury sort of went out and thought about it some more and talked about it. And then they came back in and they said, we'd like to speak to her. And Stoughton said, all right. So the foreman of the jury went up to her and said, what did you mean when you said she is one of us? And Rebecca Nurse just didn't say anything. Um... And the, the foreman of the jury took this to mean that she had no good answer, and therefore she had meant that, and therefore they'd got the verdict wrong, and she was guilty. So they reversed their verdict and said she was guilty. And then later, Rebecca Nurse submitted a, a, a piece of testimony to the court saying that all she'd meant by one of us was that she meant one of us prisoners, mm. not mm. not witches. And she was surprised because she didn't think prisoners mm. could be witnesses, and that's all she'd meant. But she and, and were there contempt? <clears throat> and so, what did the jury do at that point? Um, well, so they had found her guilty after all, and by that time, um, I mean by the time she'd submitted the testimony, I mean the the trial was over. Um, nobody was suggesting she was retried, you know. Um, and if the jury knew about this testimony, um, they probably thought, whoops, you know, we've made a mistake. But no, nobody did anything about it, and she was duly hanged. Well, was there any appeals process? No, absolutely none. Oh, and I should say, sorry, last thing about Rebecca Nurse, that um, some of Rebecca's family must have... They must have appealed on a, a sort of private basis 
to the governor of the colonies, William Phipps, because he then gave her a reprieve. Ah. But then, then his mind was changed by, and it was obviously, although um, they weren't sort of named in in the um, the source for this, who wrote mm-hmm. about it, didn't name them. He just called them some gentlemen of Salem, and he obviously meant the magistrates. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. You know, you you knew who he he meant. Well, well didn't could... weren't the very last ones um, excused or whatever oh, as yeah, late? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, what happened at the end was that. Um, Increased matter himself got cold feet about what was happening. Um, and a merchant called Thomas Brettle wrote, wrote a marvelous, it was just called a letter. And he didn't say who it was to, we don't know who it was to, but we're, we're sort of certain that it was meant for the governor, um, the judges of the governor, um, and that they would have read it. And uh, other people who had been skeptical about this whole, the the witch trials, um, started speaking up more. Um, And the the governor um, disbanded the court that had been hearing the trials. Um, It was a special court. Was it like a theological court, basically? Well, it no, it, it, it was just called the Court of Oye and Termine, and courts called that could be set up if there was some special cases to be heard um, that it was felt shouldn't just be heard in the ordinary, um, you know, the superior court. It wasn't like a star chamber, it, was it? The, well, the effect was like a star chamber, although it wasn't meant to be. I mean, it wasn't theoretically... But in fact, it was because um, you know uh, every the people, <clears throat> the magistrates had all decided that all these people were guilty in advance. You know, they were. Right. Um, and and what did the one man do who ended up? Why did he get crushed instead of hung? Oh, <laughs> <clears throat> well, it was because he wouldn't plead. He wouldn't plead either guilty or innocent. Wow. And it was an old English method of treating, I'm sorry, <coughs> losing my voice, an old English method of um, dealing with people who wouldn't plead, because if they wouldn't plead, you couldn't try them, Yeah. according to the law. So what you did instead was to lie them down on the ground and pile rocks on top of them until finally they would, you know, gasp out, supposedly, Guilty or innocent, but oh. in his case, he didn't gasp that. And according to the rumor that's come down to us, um, all he would gasp was more weight, more weight, because he wanted more rocks piled on top of him. He wanted to die spirit. faster. He yeah. wanted to just die, yes, oh. and be be over done with it, um, and put out of his misery. Wow. Well, um, what? What was your impression? Uh, I know that you, uh, you read the actual court documents, you read the actual pleadings and the arguments. What was your reaction when you read some of these from the 17th century? Well, I mean, it was 
were they were shocking. They were absolutely shocking. They they were the documents of the examinations, um, not the trials, because the trial documents haven't survived, but all the examination ones have. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and. They were shocking because what the magistrate was doing was asking leading questions to try to get uh, the prisoners to incriminate themselves. I mean, it was just, it's totally obvious that that's what they're doing. They, I mean, um, they would start out saying something like, why do you torment these innocent children? Mm-hmm. And the accused would say, but I do not torment them. And then he'd say, who do you do it with? And who are your familiars? Meaning, you know, like imps or right. whatever. Or, or, or favorite animals that come around your cottage and you feed yes. them like squirrels. And, or... and, and they, they suck at your teats on your body. I mean, all that oh. absolutely horrible. I mean, that's all absolutely shocking and these poor the women amongst the accused um they had to have examinations by groups of midwives sort of roped in for the purpose by the court who'd come and examine them all over and then um, these were physical would, examinations but, but what were they physical examinations looking yes. for, looking for what these teeth that oh. would hang from any part of their body. That oh, you mean like, like, a, like a mole or some people do have three breasts. I knew a guy, uh, one of the early UFO hunters. He, he, would, he didn't end up becoming one. He had a whole bunch of them on his chest like pepperoni. Oh, that guy, yeah, that was yeah. different. Yeah. And in one scene, you know, he, he did a scene with his, with his shirt off. I thought they were tattoos, but no, they were all, you know, extra yeah. ones. So, so, were there records of these physical exams? Were there records of these physical exams? Yes, there certainly were, and 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 they would be sort of read out after the examination. The women would be taken away and examined, and then they'd be brought back in, and then um, you know somebody would read out um, what they found on them, and and they'd say the you know Mm. things like we found a teat between the pudendum and the anus. Oh. I mean, yes. Uh-oh. I mean, ew. <laughs> you know, and this would be read out in front of the entire... Um, and I'm sure much to the delight people. of the assembled men. Oh, but I'm sure, you know. I mean, everybody was having a whale of a time listening to this. I mean, it's, you know... It's yeah, like, we don't hear pudendum that much. No. No, no. <laughs> Not nearly as much as we should. Wow. No. Um, so, you know, you asked me my reaction to the documents. Yeah. And, and even though I, I obviously had a, you know, a sort of rough idea of some of what was in them from reading, reading uh, uh, about it a bit, um, nevertheless, I, I was shocked to actually read them. Well, well, didn't your daughter take you to a museum uh, where you saw a film that sort of got your attention on this? Well, what, what happened was she, we um, uh, come to Connecticut every summer, and we were in Connecticut with our 15-year-old daughter, my husband and I, and um, she very much wanted to go to Salem. Mm-hmm. And she's an only child, so um, if she wants something... She gets it. Get it, yes, I'm afraid so. And 
so we went to Salem. We had no special interest. I mean, we didn't mind going. You know, we thought, indeed, it would be quite interesting, but we wouldn't have thought of it, really, mm-hmm. just the two of us. But she was desperate to go. So um, we went, and when we got there, we we went to the Salem Witch Museum um, just to, you know, find, mm-hmm. we, find, find out what the trials were all about. Um, and they have a pretty good show there. And that got me, you know, really, really interested. I mean, I had been interested to some degree before. Well, I'd have you ruined it for your daughter by ending up <laughs> writing the definitive book? Oh, on? <laughs> no, I think she was she was more interested in the Wiccans than she was in the witch trials. Ah. Although she was she was interested in those two because she'd seen the Crucible, you know, and right, right. Um, as we had, but well, we'd taken her, I suppose. Um, well, well, did she stay? Uh, did she stay and end up becoming a Wiccan or oh, a witch? No. no, no, we just went for a visit. I mean, oh. she just came with us for a visit. I think we stayed there. It may have only been one night. You know, um, I can't quite remember actually. I, um, I it's as though you're bewitched. Place. No, well, uh, wasn't the town? Uh, were you impressed at how small Salem was? I mean, that's one of the things that impressed me when I was there. That it was that it was actually almost like one of these little toy villages. And and because I really wanted to see the House of the Seven Gables, obviously because of the novel. Yeah. And I was struck at just how small it was. Yes, well, it's bounded by all that water. Mm-hmm. You know, it hasn't been able to expand as Salem. You know, because there's it's, there's water on. Oh, yeah, I know, but, oh, but the, houses, the, the houses themselves were so small. Now, was there ever any evidence in the course of all your studies that any of the uh, area around Salem during this era, had they ever gotten a hold of uh, like a bad crop of wheat, ergo, ergo? Oh, no, that's, that's, that is just a completely false theory. There is nothing in it at all. It's wow. been completely exploded. Wow. You know, there's a very good article by somebody called Spanus uh, destroying the so-called scientific evidence it's supposedly based on. And, and, and the article's by, can you quick spell his name? Uh, oh, Spanos. It's S-P-A-N-O-S. Yeah, I'm sure you could Google it and, and get to it, you know. You know, one story uh, you might like this. Um, there was a school teacher from Brooklyn, New York, who was teaching in a Long Island school district. In the Long Island school district, there are parts of Long Island in New York that are extremely religiously conservative, mm-hmm. almost like the school districts themselves are born-again Christians. Mm-hmm. And this woman, uh, we've written about her story, this woman went, uh, she was an elementary school teacher, and she'd gone to Salem over a summer break to do grave rubbings because she wanted to bring back to show her students in the upper grades in elementary school that there was living history in the United States, and so she was showing them grave rubbings. The parents in the school district mm-hmm. went apoplectic. You're, mm-hmm. You have a teacher taking grave rubbings in Salem from the witches and bringing them back to our pure children. And so when the school board 
actually had what you described as one of these inquisitions. They brought her in before the school board and the parents. Now, you have to realize this is a teacher from Brooklyn with very black hair, dressed mostly in black. And so she's there at this hearing. And so they asked her what friends, and, and she's taking this thing very lightly because she's a very she's sophisticated New Yorker. Yeah. And so she's yeah. taking it very lightly. And so they ask her, well, who have you been communicating with and talking about doing these grave rubbings? And she actually says, thinking this was a joke, oh, the members of my coven. Oh. At which point she was fired on the spot. Oh, gosh. Oh, it's just, it's almost unbelievable how ignorant some people can be. Well, yeah, was she exonerated ultimately? Ultimately, she won in court. She won in court. Oh, good. Which is she, the way to win. Yeah. I shouldn't think she particularly wanted her job back. No, well, she pa- didn't, but she wanted the pay. I mean, is really what she wanted. She said it was un- unlawful termination. Yes. Because, and, and, what she, and the, the funny thing was in the last two minutes of the show, wow. one of the reasons we have a First Amendment freedom of religion in the United States was specifically because of we had a very sordid history in Salem. I mean, John Adams was one of the ones who, who wrote this amendment. I mean, who wrote the First Amendment um, in the Federalist Papers about freedom of speech because the the history of Salem just ran through the the state of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts after the after the Revolution. And so what this Brooklyn school teacher, what she won on in New York, oddly enough, was that she was fired for practicing witchcraft as a religion which was a um, violation of her uh, First Amendment freedom of religion rights. Uh-huh. Did she, and was she sort of happy to have that defense? Yes, she loved it. She said, right. she said if that's what they accused yeah. me of, yeah. then she had a very good lawyer who said, well, that's a religion, and that's a violation of the First Amendment. Right. And she sued the school district and won for back pay and never went back for a job. But it was, And I think that was a tipping point because when that happened, it's almost like people began to wake up from their collective. But it um, was an example. Yeah, but the thing to, to me, which was so exciting, was it was an example of why the First Amendment of the Constitution mm. No, that's very interesting. I hadn't really thought of that because, of course, there was absolutely no freedom of religion of course. In, in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Um, so, you know, that makes perfect sense. Mm. Yeah. And yet it was the Puritans who fled England for the purpose of practicing a freedom of religion. I know, but only freedom for them. Of course, and that's how <laughs> that works. That's exactly how that works. Yeah. It's your freedom. Not their freedom, not everybody's freedom, which we're seeing yeah. today. Well, yes. Well, uh, and here we are. It is. It is just about. Oh no, it's not. I thought it was. It is four minutes, minutes to go, to and go. I believe now we will be getting the bums rush every single week because now there's a new oh, show. Oh yes, starting. we have a new show coming right, right after, us. after us. So, so folks should stay tuned for Ufonauts with our friends, Chris Brown. And, and Jason Jesse Randolph Singer, he's in the chat if you guys want to say hi. And, you know, I think, and the chat loves our guest. I think, I hope you can come back and yes, talk to indeed. us again, Helen. When you come back to. next summer, maybe. <laughs> or, or if you want to stay up really late when you're in London. 
Oh, my God. And stay up all day. I don't think I could manage that. Or, well, perhaps get up. Get up early is more like it, because it would be, um, oh, five, no, five in the that morning. would be too early. It would be half past three in the morning. Half past three. It, yeah. it would start, yes. Um, I can't see that working. So okay. you, you, but you come, you come to Connecticut every every summer, every, right? Every summer. How yeah. cool! That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you are you working on a new book? I hope. Um. Yes. Um. Yes. <laughs> it's not what you want to talk about. I mean, um, do you have an idea of fiction or nonfiction yet? Well, yes. I mean, this is um, a non-fiction book, but I haven't got a commission for it yet. Oh. I mean, I'm hoping to get one, but I don't really like to talk about it when I haven't actually... I hear you. Are you looking to publish in the I... UK or in the US or both? Oh, well, it would, I would hope both. But you have a great I... publisher in the UK. Who? Um, who? Which? Who did, in the UK? I thought you did. Who? Uh, Penguin. Well, you are oh, right. Yes. Well, they published uh, a delusion of Satan. Um, right. But the trouble is, they they actually have let it go out of print. Whereas, I mean, here in, in America, it's still very much in print. And, and hey, well, you know, you know what? You know what? If they let it go out of print, the rights revert to you. You can put it into an ebook and just start selling it anew. All yours. Well, it's, it's in an ebook already, though. Yeah, and but you e-book, can you can since you have the rights. I believe. Well, the trouble is, though, the ebook sells does sell in England. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's I, considered in print. I see. Well, it's not considered in print by the uh, British publisher. But the, the way things work these days, I mean, it's in print here, um, you know, it, um, De Capo. Um, I know them, yes, okay. yes, De Capo, as, as a pub- yes. publisher here. It was Doubleday, and then uh, De, De Capo acquired the paperback rights. So um, they published it here, and then it's in ebook here by uh, a company called Cantor. Because when it was published, the e-books weren't invented yet, so... It could uh-huh. it yes. go straight into e-book. Well, um, maybe when we're off the air, we can talk about, or I'll email you. I'm in the same position with one of my books, and I've, I hope I have found a really great solution to bring it back to life now that the rights have reverted, but we'll talk right. to Bill. Okay, you guys talk can talk. Yeah, I'm, because um, I'm not sure I have to close this down yes. because it is too late, so um, okay. if you can stay and talk to Nancy, that's great. But we are your hope, so I want to thank uh, our guest, uh, Francis. We have to hang up because we have to hang up so we'll talk we'll email okay we'll email okay. So to thank our guest Francis thank Hill you. for joining us tonight everybody should read her book um, A Delusion of Satan start at the beginning the, the, uh, the reason is that this is the one book at least to me besides my own but this is the one book that demystifies something that has been one of the most horrendous stories of 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 what happened to women in the Massachusetts Bay Colony in the at the end of the 17th century it was it was horrendous it was and that those things actually became some of the bases for the constitution so thank you thank you very much francis stay tuned for euphonauts with chris brown and jason reynolds and Jesse the guests. randolph Jason uh, Jesse Randolph. Randolph. I'm sorry, Jason Reynolds. Jason Randolph um, and Chase, their guest. And then uh, we'll be back next week 
and uh, have a wonderful week. We are your co-hosts, Bill Detzman and Nancy Good night, everybody. Burns, and we're broadcasting live on Future Theater from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Silver Village, Pennsylvania, wishing on the PSN uh, radio network and uh, the Dark Matter digital network. And we want to thank everybody for joining us, and please have a wonderful week, and we will see you next Monday night, same time, same station, right here on PSN and Dark Matter. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Dark is wrong.